HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. to Eat Your Words and Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Irway. It's the day after Halloween. Uh, but never, nevertheless, uh, this time of year, we tend to talk a lot about pumpkins, apples, uh, winter squashes, and all those really American, so we think, uh, fruits and vegetables, if you will. Actually, pumpkins and squashes are pretty American. Um, you know, apples are as American as apple pie, but they're actually not not native to America. Um, unlike this fruit that I'm going to be talking about today, I'm really excited because this is one of the coolest food histories I've read in quite a while. Um, and it's all about a fruit called the pawpaw, which I was unfamiliar with before. And there's nothing like a good, unfamiliar food to get me all excited to to learning everything about it. Um, and that is thanks to the author of Pawpaw, the In Search of America's Forgotten Fruit. It's Andy Moore, and he's on the line now from Pittsburgh. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining, and congrats on this cool book. Um, this oh, is, thanks so much. I yeah, appreciate it. This is this was my favorite beach read over the summer, I gotta say. Oh, fun. Good. <laughs> I'm like, people are reading romance novels, and I'm like, oh, Pawpaw, this is so interesting. <laughs> it's a love story in many ways as well. Actually, it's it's more of a journey because it, it um, takes us on, you know, you, you take us throughout your um, discoveries about the fruit and um, from a place of, like, how did you first learn or hear about pawpaw? Because I hadn't heard about it, sadly, until this book arrived on in my mail. Right, right. And, you know, uh, although the pawpaw is enjoying some level of a, mm-hmm. a revival and uh, at least a renewed Very interest uh, in mm-hmm. recent years, uh, for the most part, most Americans uh, are, are completely unaware of, of pawpaws, and um, I was no different. Uh, I had moved to Pittsburgh, um, this was about uh, six years ago, and uh, a friend uh, invited me to come to this festival in Ohio. I, I didn't know much about it, and uh, I was new to town, so I said, sure, I'll, I'll go to this pawpaw festival, whatever that is. 
And uh, I, I got there, and, you know, not really knowing what to expect, I had heard it was some sort of native fruit, and, you know, I, I, I wasn't expecting much, to be honest. And then I got there, and, um, well, you know, I, I, I dedicated much of the <laughs> next five, six years to uh, uh, learning everything I could about the fruit. Cool. Well, the thing is, I think I've seen pawpaws before, and they go by other names like custard apple. What's another one? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's got a lot of nicknames in history. Yeah. Um, poor man's banana, Indiana yeah. banana. Um, That's I, not a good one. <laughs> but um, so uh, you know, it's got a it's got a number of names um, like that. Um, it's it's got a botanical name uh, mm-hmm. known, known as Asimina triloba. And uh, one thing I really like about the, the botanical name is, is that word asimina is actually taking, taken from um, uh, a Native American word for the fruit. So um, I like that, uh, that, that history mm-hmm. and that, that heritage lives on mm-hmm. um, in, in its botanical name. Cool. Well, one thing about the fruit is that I think that maybe a lot of people might mistake it for being a tropical fruit, something really exotic. However, it grows wild and abundantly still in the United States of America, where it is native to. So it, to me, and it, because it's so rare, and I actually tried to find one yesterday in Square Green Market, but I think I got there a little too late. Um, it, to me, it... it um, because it's so esoteric nowadays and it's coming back as you say it has this air of um something really something really exotic but actually we totally forgot this history and, and heritage in america that we have with pawpaws um and that's what makes this book so fascinating um you start out with a little traditional folk song um that's called way down yonder in the pawpaw patch and that that was really interesting do you could you maybe describe to us or sing the tune to see how it goes? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, I'm not a, a singer by any means, but uh, the tune that uh, most people, uh, not most people, but some people, if you talk to them about pawpaws, they, mm-hmm. they won't know the fruit, but they'll say, oh, I, know, I think I know that folk song, Way Down Yonder in the Pawpaw Patch. And uh, it's something that uh, school, school children grew up singing. Um, there's a little game and a dance that goes along with it. And uh, it's, you know, where oh where is little Susie or, or whoever the, the name you choose to put in there. And then um, they go and find her way down yonder in the pawpaw patch. Yeah. So that it, this is like a, this fruit was very um, common, I guess, and in, in not too long ago. Um, and, uh, but for this, this book really uh, tracks that, you know, for, for various reasons, and a lot of it having to do with the associations and, um, uh, you know, throughout the years it has gotten and reputations that has gotten, um, we no longer eat this fruit. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was once, um, you know, and, and it remains to this day a, 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 a widespread and abundant fruit tree in the wild. It's, it's really just that we stopped paying attention to it. Um, you know, uh, certainly it's harder in New York uh, City to find find these trees. But when you know the the, the native range of this this tree is 26 eastern states, uh, hmm. so uh, quite a large swath of of land. You know, from the Atlantic um, Ocean all the way west to eastern Nebraska, hmm. um, and from the Gulf of Mexico to to the Great Lakes. Um, hmm. So it's out there, and uh, you know, humans have a long history with it. We humans ate it as soon as they arrived in, in North America. Um, and uh, you know, named towns after it. Even even early Native American towns um, were, were associated with with pawpaw groves and pawpaw thickets. Yeah. And European settlers they they encountered the fruit and ate it. And 
and then even they started naming towns after it. So we have towns named Pawpaw in Michigan, Oklahoma, Kentucky, West Virginia. And, and in huh. each case, they're all named for this tree sure. because it was there and because people ate the, the fruit and knew it and, and celebrated it. And then, yeah, for, for various reasons, um, we, we let it go which is where we are today. Let's talk about one of those reasons. I was really impressed and um, really enlightened by the foreword by Michael Twitty, a food historian who writes at afroculinaria.com. And, um, you know, he was, uh, he was alluding to how it had become associated with poor people. You know, it was called poor man's banana. That it, it kind of just lost out of, you know, went out of fashion. It went out of vogue. It, it, it just grew negative connotations. How much do you think that weighs into the decline of Papa's po- popularity? You know, I'm, I'm not so sure that um, it, it, it was is, is as negatively associated as something like in, in Appalachia, you know, with, with ramps, uh, you know, something that is kind of stinky and, you know, was certainly the poor man's food um, and, you know, was something that, that people would go to and count on uh, for sustenance in, in uh, early spring. Um, the Papa was, was more of a of a treat, and um, it was it was something that that people relished, um, and, and to get it was 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 joyful. Um, and it's a it's a very sweet fruit, so you wouldn't eat too much of it. Um, and mm. and so I think when when people would get it, it was a, a special thing, and it, and it was savored. Um, and, and and you know I think a lot of the the poor man's banana, the, those kind of connotations. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it was it was wild. It was something mm-hmm. that was outside of of commerce for the, the most part. for it, yeah. Uh, yeah, you would just go to the woods and 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 gather it, um, and so it was you know outside of of traditional uh, commerce and, and market economies, um, which is one reason why it fell out of favor. Um, was that uh, when when our food system started to change dramatically in the last century. And when, you know, our food became, uh, you know, industrial and homogenized, we, we lost a lot of diversity, clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that's something you, you talk about on your show a lot. Um, but things like pawpaw that didn't have a place in, in commerce, uh, that these were things that you just had to go in the wild and get it. Mm-hmm. And when we stopped going and looking for it, uh, much like when we stopped harvesting rams and, and, and other things, uh, it was just totally forgotten, and there was no one... There was no orchard, you know, to, to sell it at supermarkets, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. And, and so if there was no access to it, of course you couldn't know a thing and you couldn't eat a thing if, if uh, it wasn't uh, brought to your, your, your giant supermarket chain. I smell a book about ramps next, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you smell it. That's, that's a good way to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's too. Actually, this time of year, I, after reading this book, I'm finding so many things, you know, falling from the ground in fall and uh, from trees. And they're starting to have this pungent order from fermenting on the ground. And I'm like, what? is that like what are these things are they potentially foods <laughs> I should yeah right be looking into more it's really just it's really fascinating um and you know oh also um another um kind of reason for its decline that you talk about um is or it has to do with a certain individual named john chapman or better known <laughs> as johnny appleseed sure. he um sort of uh well he went through the pawpaw region, the pawpaw belt, as we know. He was like a sort of traveling apple salesman and um, just started saying, hey, apples, try these instead. 
Right, right. And, you know, that's something I, I found fascinating when I, when I was um, researching and, and studying maps and, and looking at things. Um, the, the country that Johnny Appleseed ventured into um, was prime pawpaw habitat and, and to this day remains um, places where pawpaws are not only abundant, but you find really good, large, um, favorable-tasting pawpaws. It's, it's really kind of interesting that that, uh, that, that was the land he, he went through and, and mm. Uh, planted his seedling apple orchard. Do you think he had something against pawpaws? He was like on a mission <laughs> to destroy no, them. No, I I actually speculate that Johnny uh, Pawpaw Seed, or uh, excuse me, Johnny <laughs> Appleseed, um, was a, a John- fan of pawpaws. Uh, okay. He he was a great naturalist. He knew mm. you know the medicinal plants of the old world and the new. And I I'm I'm certain that he uh, looked forward to pawpaw season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was planting his apples, and, 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 and that crop was primarily used for cider. But I'm fairly certain that each year Johnny, uh, Johnny Appleseed was, was eating pawpaws uh, with the rest of the folks in uh, Ohio and Indiana. So he, he, had the, he was carrying the exotic fruit back then. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and, and then the tides have changed. Um, actually, you just mentioned cider, and I'm wondering why there hasn't been so much wine or cider made from pawpaws um, to help kind of promote its, yeah. I don't so, know. You know, again, it, uh, you know, in my research, I found that pawpaw liquor and, and booze of any kind was, in fact, a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, moonshine from pawpaw? yeah, absolutely. Frontier times. You know, pawpaw moonshine. Um, pawpaw brandy is, is is how it's often referred to. Okay. Um, you know, just like a fruit wine. Um, pawpaw beer um, in in the Appalachian Mountains. You know, there's there's lots of citations of folks brewing and making it and drinking it and it's it's a high liquor content. It's a, a lot of sugars Ooh. and a, a lot of alcohol is produced um, from pawpaws, and and we're returning to it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I mentioned earlier the Ohio Pawpaw Festival that I went to, and um, it's in its seventeenth year. And uh, this past year in September, there were over eleven breweries from Ohio that had pawpaw beer. Wow. Yeah, and so, like it, you said, you know, it's beer and wine is a great way to, to introduce folks to, to pawpaw, not, not necessarily the flavor, but even just the idea of it, that, hey, there's this fruit out there um, that we can use uh, that's delicious, that has a good story. Um, and so, you know, they, they, they brew these, these uh, pawpaw beers and, 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 in some cases, wine, and they put, you know, uh, really neat labels on the bottles that have mm-hmm. pictures of the pawpaw. And it's a really great talking it's a great, point to get people yeah. to talk about it and, 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 and uh, start paying attention that's to it. That's absolutely right. It is a great story. Um, I'm curious because, you know, there are some really cool craft breweries um, that are making, um, yeah, you mentioned the full pint, you know, pawpaw berliner vice and and really cool stuff but are they you know beer that is flavored with pawpaws or can you make like a cider of its own or beer of its own just from pawpaws yeah so like more of an old-time style just just fermented pawpaws mm-hmm. um what, what you'll get uh, in most cases is a wine in that case mm-hmm. um and um there's some folks who are uh, doing uh pawpaw meads so they're Ooh. they're adding honeys mm-hmm. um and and, and yeah, so uh, in, in that case, uh, it, it'll have a, a, a fruitier profile. It'll be more wine-like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of the beers uh, that folks are doing, um, you know, they, they've been experimenting with it, and um, they, they've what, what they're doing is a lot of times you'll add pawpaw pulp oh, to the, right, the to secondary the... fermentation. Mm-hmm. 
um, so that more of the flavor uh, profile is present in the beer itself uh, because it's cooked less. Um, and, and being added to that secondary fermentation allows the, the flavor to, to translate a little bit more. Mm, that sounds like a great way to, to, to deal with it. Um, and certainly more refreshing than all the pumpkin beers that we've been seeing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Maybe everyone sure. just got just totally sick of pumpkin beers and needed a new story, new, yeah, new so fruit. Yeah, here's another one we could do, yeah. huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, so much more to talk about. We're, we're going to cut to a quick little commercial interlude and be right back. In 1996, Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. If I had a magic wand, tomorrow everyone in the world would have enough food to eat that was culturally appropriate and delicious. The planet would be thriving because all the food would have been grown and produced in a way that sustains us, both our bodies and our, our world. But man, I do not have a magic wand. What I do have is you and this radio station, the Heritage Radio Network. That's what we're here to do. We're here to help lead the way to a future that's more delicious, that's more fun, where we're healthier, where the planet's healthier, and we want you to be a part of that. We can't do it without you. As a nonprofit radio station, we depend on the support of our listeners. So take a minute out of your day, visit the website, and click the big beating donate tab. Throw us a few bucks. Every bit helps. We're counting on you. All right. Thanks, Liz, for that groovy little commercial break. Uh, we're back chatting with Andy Moore of Pawpaw in Search of America's Forgotten Fruit. Um, Andy, you still with us? Yes, I am. Yeah. Awesome. So I realized we didn't really talk too much about the actual flavor and characteristics of this fruit, um, which is not intuitive, I guess, for yes, anyone uh, who hasn't had it. We should, uh, we should definitely yeah. discuss that. I mean, okay. if, if, we're, if we're saying the fruit is unknown and uncommon... Yeah. Uh, yeah, we should describe it. Mm-hmm. And um, the first thing I like to say about a pawpaw is, um, so so it looks like much like a, a green mango yeah. uh, in a tree. It's this uh, sort of uh, often kidney-shaped or avoid shape. Or avocado? Uh, round fruit. Kind of avocado-shaped? Uh, or no? Yeah. A little bit like an avocado, right? Yeah, yeah, in mm-hmm. some ways. And then uh, when you cut the fruit open, it has this... Uh, 
bright yellow to orange pulp that mm-hmm. is it's totally unexpected if you pull it from the woods in the midwest say mm-hmm. um you know that is it's far from the tropics <laughs> um and and right away the, the tropical similarities um are apparent and then it has this texture that is custard like mm-hmm. uh you mentioned uh custard fruit earlier in our conversation and 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 that's a, a totally uh, appropriate and and uh, accurate way to describe it. It's in a it's actually in a, a a plant family called the custard apple family. Okay. And it has this flavor that it's often described as a, a cross between a a banana and a mango. Mm. And um, what what folks are saying when they describe it that way is that it has tropical flavors yeah. and and a custardy creamy texture. It does. Um, and it looks like you can eat it. You can like just cut it open. I see there's a photo of you eating it sort of in your in your biopic. Um, yeah, but yeah, you, you yeah. And what I like to do it. is grab a spoon and mm-hmm. eat it out of the skin like it's a like it's a like it's a cup, like it's custard in a cup. That's what I like to do. Or like an avocado sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's very unique for sure. And it sounds like something that doesn't necessarily keep well uh, like, you know, after harvesting at, you know, like apples and uh, butternut squash, for instance, can keep pretty well in cold storage. But these guys, you know, with their soft flesh, um, the skins turn black, and that's when they're ripe, I think. But um, they bruise easily, right? That's right, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the, the skin can blacken, but you, you definitely don't wait uh, for that to happen oh. uh, to, to, to eat it. You can. <laughs> and some of the old-timers I talked to uh, in my research would only eat it uh, after it had uh, you know, kind of shriveled and, and started to, to smell a little fermented. That's, That's that was the liked. flavor profile yeah. that they were attracted to. But you can, you can certainly eat a, a ripe pawpaw when it's still firm, uh, firmer, um, and, and, uh, and it, 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 it's still green on the outside, actually. Um, but you won't mistake a, a, a ripe pawpaw and an unripe pawpaw. If it's unripe, it's rock hard, and you can barely cut it. Mm. Um, and so when it's ripe, it starts to uh, give to pressure, and it has this floral aroma that really lets itself be known that uh, it's time to eat me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... So Sounds you, great. You, you won't mistake it that way. But, you know, you mentioned, um, uh, you know, storage. storage. And, and yeah. Um, and, and we were talking about Johnny, Johnny Appleseed. You know, that fruit, the apple, is something you can, you can build a homestead around. You know, it, you, can, you can do so much with it. You yeah. can make uh, alcohol with it. You can store it in a cold cellar. Uh, you can cook with it. You can bake with it. Um, and, and the pawpaw is more of a, it's, it's the spice of life is what I like to uh. say, you know. You're not necessarily going to feed your family for many months of the year on a pawpaw. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's what makes life fun. You know, it's 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 a it's a treat. It's a dessert. It's it's a uh, it's a flavor that's certainly unlike anything else you can grow in in uh, temperate North America. And so it's it's more of um yeah, like I said, it's the spice of life. It's uh, it's something it's something fun and unusual. It looks perfect for a smoothie, like with not anything else, just like mashed up. <laughs> mashed own. up, surely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've you know I have made some pop off smoothies in my mm-hmm. day, and, and you're right, it's it's totally appropriate to that. Um, the other thing that I, I really like to do with a pop off is uh, is to you know utilize that that custardy texture and and make a an ice cream or a gelato. Mm. Um, and that's something folks are starting to do um, in different parts of the country is, is they're ma- making that. Yeah, and, uh, I saw like Jenny's uh, ice cream, Splendid ice cream, and and a few others were making it. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we talked a bit about the sad, sad decline and neglect of the pawpaw, and then, you know, it's heyday times, and now it sounds like there's definitely this resurgence of pawpaw, you know, fanaticism amongst, uh, you know, crafty gardeners, Um 
uh, of course, these artisanal food makers and brewers. But uh, who who is leading this? Who are these pawpaw, you know, historians aside from yourself, I guess, that have been, uh, you know, leading this charge, and why? Yeah. Um, well, uh, much of us pawpaw people ha- have a similar story. Um, uh, you know, you're introduced to the fruit, whether it's on your own hiking in the woods. Um, or whether it's you know so- someone introduces it to you at a at a garden club or something, and and folks are just captivated by it. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it, it is this it's so it's it's really special. It's it's the largest edible fruit native to the U.S. It's got this, this custardy tropical flavor, and most people haven't heard of it. So what happens is people are you you mentioned it um, fanaticism. People mm-hmm. get really interested in it because of because of that story. You know, it's this unique thing that most people haven't heard of. And, and for folks who have a, a, a background in horticulture or even plant science um, and breeding, it's, it's such an attractive pursuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's this, this large, uh, diverse, wild fruit that uh, hasn't really been domesticated. Yeah. And so the it's opportunities like there yeah. are incredible. I mean, how often do you get you know, a, a large tree fruit um, that's native to your climate that you could start to experiment with? Yeah. Um, and so there have been some some plant uh, some plant folks, uh, really only a handful uh, over the past century who have have kept the flame alive and wow. who have been have been um, working with it and breeding it, um, or even just uh, you know selecting wonderful wild selections hmm. and, and keeping those genetics uh, alive much the way you would any other heirloom crop. Um, and so we we owe so much uh, to those those handful of folks who have been working with it and for keeping that material around. Um, and, you know, I profile uh, these folks in my, in my book. Yeah. And there's a Johnny, there's actually a Johnny Pawpaw seed. Yeah, that's, <laughs> what, that's what we're calling yeah. uh, a gentleman by the name of Neil Peterson. Um, he, he was introduced to the fruit as a young man in the, in the 70s, and he had a ba- background in, in plant science and genetics. And so he went on this, this wonderful uh, pursuit to find uh, the, the best pawpaws that were uh, selected um, uh, in, in the hundred years before he was introduced to the fruit and did a, did a, a breeding experiment. He planted uh, a, a diverse selection of pawpaws in, in several orchards and, and selected, uh, selected fruit out of that that was the best, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's large or just a, a wonderful flavor um, or trees that produced a lot of fruit. And, and thanks to his work, um, decades of work, um, we now have um, a, a handful of pawpaws wow. uh, that he has named and released uh, cultivars uh, that are among the best uh, folks have, have ever seen. Um, wow. Just really great pawpaws. And we'll probably be starting to see a lot more chefs um, experiment with pawpaws as well. Is that something you've seen? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, folks, it, you know, the, this is a... A great moment for for food and chefs in America, and and when when something like Papa comes along, um, they're certainly eager to uh, to figure it out course, and, and figure yeah. out what what works uh, well for the Papa. Um, so I'm I'm seeing it from with chefs from uh, you know Louisville, Kentucky to to, to New York, um, where I am in in Pittsburgh, uh, DC. Folks are getting their hands on these uh, pawpaws by some means, whether it's you know wild harvest or or through actual uh, farmers. Who are growing pawpaws and, uh, and and creating dishes with it? Yeah, it's it's really neat to see. That's really exciting. I can't wait until I see like a pawpaw puree underneath this beautifully, you know, like 
broiled fillet of fish or something right, like that. Right, it sounds yeah. great. I wish I could find more pawpaws though. But you have an extensive little uh, index here um, uh, of where to find pawpaws and nurseries for pawpaws, which is very helpful. Yeah, that was um, something I was really happy to put together. Um, you know, a list of, of nurseries that offer pawpaws. Um, and uh, even even descriptions specialty. of different cultivars of pawpaws. Yeah, so I, I hope that's a good starting point for folks. I can't wait, and um, I can't wait to see it, you know, show up in more places. Hopefully, um, thanks to all the love Papa is getting, and you know, there's something kind of cool about how, you know, as much as we've neglected this plant, it will not go away. I think that's <laughs> a great ending, you know. <laughs> yes, uh, it just it it. With us or without us, the pawpaw has been here uh, hundreds of thousands of years before us, and it'll it'll probably be here long after uh, <laughs> we're through with our communities. Or, you know, hopefully uh, that's that's not a fun note to end on. But no, uh, you know, the the pawpaw it it'll be here. It, mm-hmm. it, it's been there, mm-hmm. and um, you know, whether we pay attention to it or not, it, it's it's going to be there. Or identify or, or like the different varieties of it, or figure out how to grow it better to our liking and so forth. Um, like we've done with so many different crops, uh, you know, this one is is still kicking. So, that's right. you know, that's th- that's saying something for um, an, a quintessentially American food, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> I've not thought about it that way, but I like that a lot. That's great. So I guess uh, we're almost about a time here. But uh, last but not least, what is your favorite application for a pawpaw like this time of year so i don't know thanksgiving's coming up something like that i don't know well, the, uh, for better or worse the pawpaws are done in my part of the country and most of the country mm. um they're 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 often done uh by the first of october Oof. um so uh so now they're just a, a pleasant uh, memory of <laughs> of late summer um but I, I i was lucky enough to to get some frozen pawpaw pulp so i have it in my freezer Nice. And uh, what I'll likely do is, is maybe around Thanksgiving make a, a very simple pawpaw pudding or a pawpaw ice cream. With Ooh, that for a dessert. That yes, sounds delightful. Yeah. Those flavors of the banana and the mango with custard sounds perfect. So I can't wait to try it. Oh, well, good. I, I hope you get your hands on uh, some pawpaws really soon. Well, I should send us some. Yeah, I should. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Andy. Um, it was really a pleasure, and congrats on this really great book. Thank you so Can't much, wait to and tell I appreciate more pe- taking the time to talk to me about it. Absolutely. Can't wait to tell more people. Um, all right, and that's about all the time for today. Thanks, everyone, at Heritage. We'll see you next week on Eat Your Words. Oh, I like the way you do. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.